it's about that time. For the inside trip. You know that nasty trip. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Are you ready? And we're back. What's up, wrestling fans? Oh, what is up, wrestling fans? This is the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, episode number 30. I'm Brandon Olinger, joined alongside my favorite partner in crime, Benjamin Watson. What up, what up, what up? You can find us on Twitter at the Inside Trip One. We even have a Facebook page, the Inside Trip. If you want to communicate with us through email, free fill to do so, the Inside Trip One at gmail.com. Ben, this is episode number thirty today. This is a milestone episode. It's the big three zero. It is the big three zero. The big three. I remember when I turned thirty. I felt so young. Now I feel old. What was it like? Just a few years ago. <laughs> it was like three years ago. Oh, it was like seven years for me. But our podcast just turned thirty. Thirty episodes. Thirty episodes old. And you know what? This episode really is a special one for us. A it's milestone a for multiple reasons. We joke about it a lot, but first. There was a time when we were at the Big Ten Wrestling Tournament in Bloomington, Indiana, playing Sink the Biz with a couple of boys from Blood Round Wrestling. That's right. That's right. I'm pretty sure we won. We sunk our biz more than they sunk theirs. I don't know. I got drunk. But anyway, <laughs> wise man Kevin Clonch told me that the great, the great godfather of wrestling podcasts himself, Jason Bryant, doesn't really take you seriously till you're about 30 episodes deep. Yeah. So... This is episode number 30 for us. We hope that the podfather, the godfather of wrestling <laughs> podcast, Jason Bryant, will now take us serious. At least as serious as we take ourselves. That's right. Which <laughs> I don't know how serious that is. But you're right, man. And you know, there, there's, there's a lot of really great wrestling podcasts out there that have done a... Tons. Um, yeah, that have done, you know, episodes way beyond 30s. And I'm just so happy that, you know, we're continuing to do this. Regardless of the number, 30 is awesome. But you know what? It's 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 neat that we just had this opportunity to do this for so long. For I mean, you know, thirty weeks or whatever it's been. Completely agree. And for a lot of people that don't know out there, when Ben and I did the very first episode, oh god, it is the worst episode the worst. in the history of any podcast that you can find. Our sound was atrocious. We it was unlistenable. Were atrocious. It was completely unlistenable. Why we published it? I have no idea. We were just. I was think I was so excited that I wanted to just put it on. We thought we were so cool because we each had a microphone <laughs> across the long table in front of our face talking about wrestling. Little did we know that only one microphone was working, and it just happened to have been the one in front of Ben's, the loud member of the Inside Trip <laughs> podcast. Oh my god, that was terrible. It was so horrible, but... We had no clue how to work the audio recording system. Of, the, nothing. Yeah, how to work the microphones. Nothing. Oh man, that was pathetic. But, to tribute to Jason Bryant, the great guy that he is, willing to help any podcast out there... We reached out to him. He knew right away what all of our problems was. He set us straight. Yeah, he was like, you suck, give up. <laughs> <laughs> so, JB, episode number 30 today, we dedicate to you. Yeah, shout out to JB. And another thing, great thing about episode number 30 today is one of the best things about this podcast, along with getting to talk wrestling with one of my best friends, is it's allowed us to connect 
with some very special athletes out there, get to talk to them, get to have interviews, and it just so happens that we're going to have another interview for you tonight. Tonight, joining us on episode number 30 is Catherine Shy, formerly Catherine Fulp Allen. A lot of you may recognize that name. Her father was a pioneer in women's wrestling. He was a fantastic wrestler himself. Oh, yeah. He was a multi-time Olympian, one of only two people, as you will hear later, to qualify for the Olympics in both freestyle and Greco-Roman wrestling. Catherine herself was an amazing wrestler, not only at the collegiate level, but also the senior level. Amazing credentials. We're going to get into those later. You're going to get to hear all about them. She's also a board member for Wrestle Like a Girl organization. She's the founder of Lucha Fit. And she's going to come on and talk to you about her career, what she's doing with those organizations, and a lot more. We hope you enjoy it. Episode number 30. We welcome Catherine Shy. All right, joining us here tonight for episode number 30 of the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast is Catherine Shy, formerly Catherine Fulp Allen, five time national team member, board member of Wrestle Like a Girl. Catherine, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? I'm doing good. Yeah, doing great, Catherine. Excited to uh, talk wrestling with you. Yeah, it's great to have you on. We've been talking back and forth for quite some time about getting you on and doing a a podcast and maybe even doing some collaborative podcast in the future. So this has been, um, I've been looking forward to this. So we can't wait to to kind of ask you some questions, let you tell your story, and maybe even tell some people about some of the ideas that we've been ha- talking about. Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been talking for a while, so this is long overdue. I'm excited. I am too. It's funny. So like we've been trying to figure out a date of when to do this. And I'm like, Hey, how about this date? And she's like, um, that's mother's day. I'm like, Oh, can't do that. Hey, how about, how about this date? Uh, that's father's day. I'm like, Oh, I can't do that either. Um, just shows you how well I keep track of holidays. Hey, I'm, I'm keeping you on track. We finally worked it out. Absolutely. Hey, so first we got to thank you again. Um, you put us in touch for one of our favorite interviews we'd done with Jenna Burkett. It was a wonderful interview. Um, so thanks for that. Um, she must have really appreciated it as well. She told us that you prefer to be called Kathy and that we're supposed to call you Kathy. <laughs> um, but for some reason, I think she was setting us up a little bit. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yes. Jen and I have a long-running uh, inside joke. And she, you know, she's one of the few who calls me that. So she right now, I mean... When she hears this, she'll be doing a nice little chuckle to herself. She'll be very proud. <laughs> well, okay, so she got you there. So you got any dirt on her that we can u- we can utilize? Ooh, you got to think about that. You got, if you think of a good story, a good Jenna Burkett story that you would like to tell that she might be slightly embarrassed of, we'll gladly accept it. Okay, actually, I have one. Oh, have oh one. Hey, this is good. Take it off right, baby. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> exactly. Okay, the best thing is when. So I, when I lived in Colorado Springs, I lived like around the corner from the train center. And when Jenna was at the train center, because now she's off, she would, you know, throw on her rollerblades and just kind of like skate around. So, so one day she just shows up at my house, ro- rollerblades, skating down the, down the road, and of course with a fanny pack. And I'm like, <laughs> what is she doing? This girl. And it's just her. She's like, yeah, no, no big deal. That's just Jenna showing up with her fanny pack. And of course she's like laughing her head off like can't even get up the street because she's laughing so hard so <laughs> but that's how jenna shows up in my house very often it's funny you say that like eventually we're gonna have to meet her because she wears a fanny pack i just saw a picture <laughs> posted on twitter that she wears socks with sandals 
which was just hideous. So I'm starting to I'm starting to question, you know, her her stylistic prowess a little bit. You know, I don't know if you can question it. I think it's just you have to admire it. Oh, okay. Hey, shout Packs out, are, shout out for Jenna. If Fanny Packs are making a comeback, they are in a big way. Exactly. She's a trendsetter. You got one, we Ben? We can't, we can't yeah. wrong her for that. I just, I got my NSYNC fanny pack back from high school. NSYNC. <laughs> oh, wow. That's right. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk some wrestling. Let's talk about you a little bit. Um, hey, <laughs> first off, I guess we can say this. You know, you've been been on social media about it. Congrats on the uh, future new addition to your family. I see you're, what, about 24 Thank weeks along? Yeah. Yes. Yep. That's correct. Yeah. Thanks. So, how's little Benjamin doing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got it right though. It is a boy. Hey, it is a boy. Benjamin's a strong mm-hmm. name. Strong you know, name. Brandon's a strong name. We've even heard that Trip is a good name. I'm oh, just putting it out there. Trip. Oh. I, I like Trip. <laughs> Trip. That's like that's like got to be the the wrestling name. Like, is that where I have to go? There you go. Name. You got to. <laughs> Trip is an awesome name. <laughs> um, all right so if i'm not mistaken and, and you correct me if i'm wrong this is your first year not competing in a while in a long time right it is yeah besides some some years for you know being out for injuries it it is so it's kind of been a bizarre adjustment and you know I'm kind of just taking it step by step and i'm not really saying i'm on the retired you know, train yet because I don't know how I'll feel. So, um, yeah, but it's it's bizarre. It's totally bizarre. I mean, I'm sure like there's so many athletes out there who can relate that they going through the even even like the half retired kind of life. Um, it's a weird experience. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, even besides from being a, an expectant mother before that, you you were recovering from a pretty significant injury, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, a shoulder injury. Yeah, so I, I just had shoulder surgery in December, um, and that's one that I've kind of been dealing with for a long time. So I was making the decision, you know, if we had that non-Olympic World Team Trials, and my plan was to go 55 kilos. Uh, my husband and I had just moved to Denver, so it was just like a lot of different changes. Um, and so I was really just kind of hunting for the answer, like what should I do, should I compete, Um but then it kind of came clear that the shoulder has been nagging me for over two years. Like, um, and it was kind of just a good time to get the shoulder surgery. I wasn't feeling like it was the right time to prepare myself for a world team trial. And you like, you really have to be all in. You can't just think, okay, I'll show up. I'll just use, you know, I'll use what I've got and I'll be good. You know, you really have to make the effort to be in the right kind of shape. And there is a right kind of shape and there's kind of a wrong kind of shape. Um, and I knew like I wasn't in a place to do that. And I knew that it was probably time to get this shoulder fixed. So that kind of turned into that decision. Okay. So you, you sat out this year, but let's take it way back then. How did you get started in wrestling? I think not a lot of people might know this, but you come from a really significant wrestling family background. I believe your dad was a two- or three-time Olympian wrestler in both freestyle and Greco, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're kind of talking about the the now, here and now, but let's talk about um, the past a little bit with your wrestling career. Yeah, so um, 
So a little bit on my dad's history, You're, you got that right. So he went to the 56 and the 60 Olympic Games. Um, he first wrestled freestyle, and then he actually had broken his femur, and I think it was because he's an Oregon guy, and so it was actually when I think it was some sort of like logging kind of accident. Oh, <laughs> so wow. I think a tree fell on him and then um, broke his femur. So he was in a cast and pretty much decided, why not wrestle Greco while I can't do freestyle? Oh, wow. So, and then before the Olympic trials for 60 games, he had cut off his cast and wrestled Greco and made the, made the team. So, um, yeah, kind of, kind of proud of that. You know, my dad, uh, he, he comes from a lot of toughness, you know. Um, so from there, he, he always laughed and said that, uh, he kind of became the Greco guy, but he started out freestyle. So, but he's, I think only one other man in U.S. history has done, uh, two different, um, styles, like competed two Olympic games with two different styles. Yeah. That's um, my... so oh, go ahead. Oh no. I was going to say that's my understanding as well. I think he's one, only one of two people to ever make an Olympic team in both styles. That's quite an accomplishment. Yeah. So, so from there, um, I think 61, he made the world team. And then from there kind of started transitioning towards a uh, coaching career. So he was coaching Greco for a lot of years, national team coach. And then, and leading up to the 80 team where, um, he was Greco Olympic coach and he was, he was assistant coach for a lot of Olympic teams. Um, but then was head coach for the 80 team, which was unfortunately, you know, I went, um, and then, um, and from there, his his coaching kind of shifted a little. Bit. He was he was at Skyline College, which is in California, a junior college. Head coach there, and he kind of just he was doing a lot of classes. So he was doing like self defense and judo and a wrestling class. And he kept having women come to his class. So finally, he would say, "Hey, why don't you join my wrestling club?" And they'd be like, uh, "Okay, okay." So from there, he just saw an opportunity to take that on full time. So he stepped out of that coaching position as the men's head coach and decided to be full time women's club coach. Um, which I'm sure a lot of people at that time thought he was crazy. But um Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty progressive. On... Right, right. Yeah. I mean and we're talking the guy was born in nineteen thirty four. He was a progressive progressive guy for you know, in comparison to I think a lot of his peers. Sure. For sure. Yeah, so he and then put on the first women's world team trials um, in California because the U.S. was not sending a team to the world. So um, he was like, that needs to change. So, um, you know, from from there, really just kind of, I'd say just kind of like slowly fell into place. Like he never really put a lot of pressure on me or my sister to wrestle It'd be like one day we're swinging on the ropes and the next day we're wrestling. And so it was like that for a long time. Um, but meanwhile, he was just building his team and pushing women's wrestling in California. And, and really him and my mom are one of the big reasons why California had such a big push. They really just helped organize the coaches who wanted to make the change. Um, and now, you know, we can, we can see it, you know, California is the strongest, in the u.s um and we started early you know we really pushed early so no i think that's a i think that's a great point there i mean i don't think people you know at least from 
I would be willing to guess, you know, or to, or to state that not a lot of people quite understand the impact that your family has had yeah. on the the growth or the you know uh, to getting to even starting women's wrestling really, and the, the and genesis to, of women's wrestling. Correct, right? getting it to where it is today. Um, if I'm not mistaken, your father, you know, he actually started the first women's college wrestling program at Menlo College. Is that correct? Yeah, he um, the very first college college itself was, I think, um, Minnesota Morris, I believe. Okay. Um, and he he started um, the program at Menlo with within like the first swing of of the colleges, and it really kind of progressed along with where my sister and I were. Um, my sister's three years older than me, and it was getting to a point where it was like, okay what's next for all these wrestlers that we've been helping develop. And so he was kind of part of that movement. And so he, I believe 2000 or 2001 Menlo college team started. And then my sister graduated high school in 2003 and went to Menlo. So I think for him, it was a lot of like natural progression. Like, okay, my daughter's coming up next, like to college, like what's the next opportunity I can help provide. So he was very, very future focused and always, you know, had his eye on, on the bigger picture, which was looking back now. I mean, it's I'm just so impressed by by the direction he kind of kept pushing the sport and what he could see um, when a lot of people really couldn't. Of course. So I, I'm always curious to know this. At what age did you start getting involved in actually training and competing as a wrestler? So I started about six. Um, but it was pretty relaxed. It was like a tournament a year, maybe. Um, so really fifth grade and then middle school when, you know, when you have like an actual team that you're competing on, that was when I started taking it serious. I remember fifth grade, I wanted to go to some extra freestyle tournaments. Um, and so really middle school and then of course high school was when I really wanted to take it more serious and, um, you know, take kind of taking it on as, um, more than just like a one season sport. That's what, that's when things started changing. So when you started wrestling more, I guess on a full time basis, what type of opportunities were there for you as a female wrestling in California back in the, like what early the mid to late nineties? Yeah. So, so as a kid, there wasn't a whole lot, but we had, um, we would have like a regional tournament yearly and we would have a girls division and so my dad started the bay area wrestling association um and so every time he pushed those tournaments he would just say include a girls division include a girls division um but often enough like when we were kids like there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot available and the girls that were around it was everyone was so spread out but by the time that my sister and then myself competed in high school, we were, I mean, we're so fortunate. Like I was able to choose to just wrestle girls. And mostly it was a choice because my sister had wrestled varsity all through her high school years. And um, she ended up with a pretty bad knee injury and one that ended up with, I believe, four different surgeries. Um, and, and just, you know, there was a lot of ugliness. There really was. Um, I like to, to kind of, to, you know, um, compliment her here, but she most likely would have been the first girl to qualify for boys high school state. Um, she was ranked in our section, third in our section. Um, 
And she kind of had to make a choice, like knee surgery and be able to compete at Fargo or wrestle boys. And it just like to her, it was, it made sense to, to compete in Fargo. And we, there was just, this was a time, this was like early 2000s. And this is when forums were big, like really big, <laughs> all the wrestling forums. And, um, you know, people were getting really nasty on there and it just didn't feel, it didn't feel right for us as a family to keep pushing Sarah wrestling boys. So then it was like, it was just such an obvious choice for me. It was like, why when we're, we're advocating and pushing for staying gender competition, would I then wrestle on the boys varsity team? And I had enough opportunity and, um, I was really fortunate that way and had a lot of family support to do that. So. Yeah, first thing that comes to my mind is, one, to be the first girl wrestler to qualify for the state tournament, the boys' state tournament in California, I, I don't think people really really realize how big of an accomplishment that it actually is. California is actually a pretty a pretty legitimate state when it comes to wrestling in general. Um, right, because we have one division, and we still haven't absolutely. got – no girl has still qualified yet, but Sarah would have been – I'd say Sarah would have been the first. I mean, she was right there. But at the same time, you know, looking at going over some of your sister's, you know, credentials, I, I would say you, you guys probably made the right decision. I mean, your sister, and mm. you know, we, we're here to talk about you, but your sister has amazing credentials um, that I would have to think was a great motivator or inspiration for you to have the success that you've had. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, she, I, she kind of like walked the path that I got to follow in and um, and some of the things at the time, like I didn't quite understand everything. I mean, she made her first national team at 18 years old and that was by beating Clarissa Chun out. And so some of it I didn't get at the time. Um, and I really feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, wrestling, like we clearly, we clearly love the sport. Like we're as a whole family. We're still very involved in my sister's, very involved as well but um you know it can, it can be painful and um i think her um her accomplishment like you know not everyone always knows exactly like how freaking awesome a wrestler she was and um you know she it, it was just hard at the end you know because because as you know wrestlers as as Fans, we quantify making a 115 as the end-all, be-all. And then it's hard to give credit to anyone else. And, um, you know, Sarah's, Sarah's loss um, for the 2018 was really, really hard. She had beaten Clarissa right before, I believe, at U.S. Nationals had pinned her. Um, and then was dealing with a really bad hip injury. Sure. And sometimes it's like you just can't, There's, there, you know, there's not a whole lot you can, you know, control. So, you know, that it all landed on that 2008 trials, and it wasn't a, a perfect day, and that's hard. That's really hard. Um, so, but yeah. she, I mean, she's she's an awesome, and me being able to see that, like, I 2008 trials, I was like a, a deer, <laughs> deer headlights, you know. I like barely was had ever weighed 55 kilos before, and she was like making me drink water. She was like, "This is Olympic trials. You have to, you have to at least." appear to be big when we go on the scale, you know, like I was just like, what do I do? So yeah, she's led me through everything, you know, and even like the last four years has been huge. I've been leaning on her a lot. And, um, 
calling her about a lot of different things because she just like knows it, understands it, lives it, and it's that's I mean that's pretty special. So, I want to I want to get back to you for just a second, Catherine. Um, you know we, we've talked about the influence that your father's had in wrestling um, and you know, really pioneering women's wrestling. Obviously, your sister was an amazing wrestler herself. Her credentials speak for herself. Um, really, just kind of go back again to to the impact that, that your family has had on your wrestling career. And I would also even like, if you could, maybe touch on, you know, your father was such a you know such a person you know or a figure in American U.S. wrestling um obviously you don't have any brothers correct no I don't um so for a father who is big into wrestling and does not have any sons he probably had the two best daughters that he could possibly have if he wants to you know (laughs) coach his his children in wrestling so just if you can just just talk a little bit more about that impact of your father your sister and even your mother um, the impact that they had on on who you are today, and and obviously who you were as a wrestler. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think any any wrestler who has a a parent um, as a coach, it's a it's a pretty special connection to begin with. Um, and I think first, when it you know when it comes to gender and you know what the way he coached us or the way he saw things, it was so obviously clear to him that there was no, there was no difference between the way you coach a male, way you coach a female, you know, besides, besides obvious, you know, small little things of how you maybe encourage a male versus a female, but it was kind of, it was kind of just like the idea of just helping push us towards our goals, no matter what, you know, and, and, um, even if there were obstacles when it came to, you know, kind of like outside people resisting, I think we very were, we were able to bring it back to our family, back to our family values and what's important and what's important for goals. And so it's easy to get distracted with a lot of outside noise and people saying no, or they shouldn't be doing this, but because of that family support, it really helped me always see myself as very professional and, or, you know, and I've always taken myself, I don't want to say too seriously, but, you know, I, I always take, like, what I'm doing very seriously. And, like, wrestling being my job, I've always take, taken it very seriously. Um, so I think kind of that family influence of, you know, kind of focus on your goals and, and bring it back to your values has stuck with me all the way through. Um, so, you, so you brought you brought up that, um, there was some, you know, pushback, I guess, um, you know, when you were growing up wrestling. Can you talk to me about, you know, any pushback that you as a female wrestler, that your sister as a female wrestler, or that your dad as a, a father and a coach of female wrestlers uh, dealt with, you know, I guess, you know, during the late 90s and early 2000? Yeah, I had a match with this kid I think I think I was in I think I was probably middle school um maybe maybe later elementary school um and it was just like a local kids tournament and I mean I can't remember all the details but the referee who was probably some kid like this was not you know referees in 
in the actual uniform or anything. It was like some kid repping the mat that they had like pulled in. And he went over and reversed the scores and went out and held the other kid's hand up. And to this day, we don't even, we have no idea like what, how it happened. Like, why did this happen? But I mean, the only explanation was kind of like, oh, this girl probably didn't, this girl can't win, you know? So we ended up wrestling like a double overtime kind of bizarre situation. And they had put the score back to tie, you know, just, just like weird situations like that. Um, I mean, our family was very involved politically, so the pushback to us looked differently than um, a lot of other girls, because my family was so involved and so aware of the opportunities available that, you know, if there's any, any glisten, any hint of a girls' tournament, we're there. Um, so we kept finding those opportunities, but then what we were dealing with was hearing kind of the political pushback. So... Um, in California, it took, a, it took a pretty long while for it to actually, you know, get sanctioned. So, um, so that's kind of what I would say that I grew up with. I mean, I mean, I would say my sister had to deal with a little bit more because she wrestled varsity. But, um, you know, and then I think as a kid growing up in a in a combat sport, like you're you're always dealing with teammates saying things or, um, you know, the reactions. I think. I think sure. one of the biggest things is like people's reactions, like, oh, you're a wrestler. And I, I typically, I don't look like typical wrestler body type. Like I'm taller and longer, like, you know, so it's always also, you know, you're dealing with outside people's opinions as well. You know, oh, you, you can't be a wrestler. Right. You don't look like one. Not only are you female, like you're not short and muscular looking. So that was something that was really frustrating for me growing up that people didn't think I looked like a wrestler. And to me, a wrestler is like the ultimate athlete. Right. So now I'm like, you guys are telling me I don't even look like an athlete. Like that's <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, we asked that question. So you're, you're the third, you know, female wrestler that we've been fortunate enough to have on this podcast. And as we will get to later, you know, we're hoping to have many more on, but we, we asked that question to, to all of them, because what we have found is that, Look, wrestling is a sport where everyone faces adversity just with the sport itself, but the female wrestlers face that adversity plus an additional type of adversity, excuse me, and we think it's important um, for, for people to tell you know, tell that, you know, talk about that type of adversity so that way our listeners can fully understand what, what type of things that you guys are going through and why there's such a big push, you know, with all these organizations to get wrestling sanctioned in in high school and different states and whatnot. So, um, we think that's an important question to, to, to ask. And it sounds like you, just like everyone else that, you know, all the others that we've asked is, has, is gone through your own, you know, your own situations with that. You have your own experiences. Right. Right. And there's, there's probably, you know, there's so many nuances and so many little things that we deal with, but I'm telling you, there's so many things I, I, it's like, there's so many things that I've forgotten most of them because the focus, I like, I had to just focus on myself. Like if I kept thinking about all the things that people told me, you can't do this. One of the biggest things I know is that um, because of my decision of wrestling mostly girls in high school, a lot of coaches were like, there's no way you're never going to make it on, you know, high-level senior without wrestling a boy, which, you know, are competing against boys regularly, which is still kind of perpetuated today, which is frustrating. And I am truly, like, an example that I made the decision to wrestle only girls, and I 
made it to, you know, very high level. And so that's, that's been one that's always, that's one that definitely stuck, you know, um, people saying like, there's no way you have to wrestle a boy, you know, you have to be competitive against the boys to even have a chance, you know, and I really truly don't believe that. I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, so if you don't mind, I would like to kind of go over some of your career highlights. You've got such an amazing resume, um, when it comes to, you know, credentials and, and, and just highlights throughout your career. I mean, you were, if I'm not mistaken here, you were a two-time college wrestling, you know, women's, women's college wrestling national champion, also a two-time women's wrestling, women's college wrestling athlete of the year. You were a university national champion, a university world champion. Mm-hmm. You've been a multiple-time alternate, either for world or Olympic team spots, a five-time U.S. national team member, and there's so much more here. I mean, we can go on and on and on. You mentioned earlier that you know it's the perception that the pinnacle in women's wrestling or the pinnacle in this sport is making um, a world or Olympic team. How have you handled not making a road or Olympic team, you know, being the alternate while also having such an outstanding career as it is. How is that? How have you dealt with that from a mental aspect? That's a great question. I mean, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is that it's, that it's painful, you know? Um, but I think, you know, there's so many things about the sport that kind of keep us going. Like clearly, there was reasons I didn't give up, you know. I mean, there's there's been a lot of times, you know, you, you feel like, okay, this is this has got to be the lowest of the low here. For some reason, you just pick yourself back up. Um, I, you know, I have to say, you know, when you look back, it's always kind of like, well, this happened, you know, this happened and kind of propelled me to this next level, and this happened, and it kind of continued to propel me. Um, and things just didn't always line up perfectly, you know, and I think those were hard lessons that helped me learn that, that no matter what, like it wasn't going to be perfect. So I had to learn how to adjust with, with imperfection. And trust me, I, I like to, I like to make things perfect, you know, and that's something that I struggled with a long time. Um, so a lot of these, you know, kind of your losses are like your own personal battles. What are you going to do after you lose, you know, especially a world team spot, especially an Olympic spot. Um, and a lot of times it was, you know, this, this last Olympic team, um, a year out from Olympic trials, I, I wasn't walking. I had foot surgery and I couldn't even walk. It was kind of like, what are you going to, what are you going to do? Is it going to be perfect? I mean, obviously not. So you can only, you can only like, compliment yourself and appreciate the work that you put in that you know you know the road that you had to travel um sure so, there, i mean there's I, just some things yeah. that's out of your control i mean you can only roll with what you got with what you have to roll with right right so i think those are just hard lessons no matter what i mean it's it's painful it's painful to talk about you know and um but it's like where would I be without those lessons? Like, I don't, I don't know if I would be the same person I am right now. Like, sure, of course I would want the, you know, I want the lesson and I want the win. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that was just, yeah. <laughs> no, I, 
No, I, I think it's I think it's fair, and you know you can kind of hear the pain when when people talk about those when people talk about their setbacks or heartbreaks in wrestling because you devote so much time and so much of your life to the sport, and you know it doesn't always give back um, everything you devote for it with results. You know, I think I think with everybody would agree that it gives back in terms of the the values and the things that you learn from the sport. Intangibles. Yeah, but it doesn't always give back. Um, necessarily, you know, how hard you've worked. You, you know, I've got a question for you, and, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, hard or not to answer. Uh, you know, my understanding is that your father, who was so integral in your wrestling and your sister's wrestling, passed away in 2012. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was the last time he coached you? Because I, I, I'm guessing from the age of when you started until then, he, you know, he was in your corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, my dad was fantastic about having to be open with other coaches and make sure that you know we were we were coachable um so whatever his plan was i mean it's it's worked out for for the best but um he the last time he coached me was nationals um leading up to 2012 olympic trials um and he wasn't able to be at the 2012 Olympic trials. Um, and so that national was in 2011, like December is when we had done them and it worked out well. I mean, he really wasn't doing very well. Um, he had congestive heart failure and anyone who is familiar with that, you have a lot of fluid back up in your legs and then moving and all that stuff's hard. And it was, it was just getting more stressful for me to have him coach me. And I would be constantly worried about him. And I knew, like, this is distracting me, and it's, you know, not benefiting either of us. But it worked out where he could actually coach me there and then um, had to stay home. He had um, we had a pretty good scare probably about, I want to say, like, three to four weeks out from 2012 with the trials. So I was in California with him, and my sister and I had kind of gone out expecting that we might say goodbye. So... Um, you know, not easy, but kind of the most amazing thing was that Olympic trials was out of my head. You know, I, sure. I, I wasn't even thinking about that, even though, you know, you would think, okay, this is the time I should be worried about it. Like I didn't work out. I didn't, you know, I'm not in the hospital. Like, Oh, I got to get my workout in. Cause I'm a few weeks out from Olympic trials. Like, <laughs> you right. know? no, it didn't, it didn't matter. Um, and I feel like the strength that he helped instill in me allowed me to take a step back and like do the things I need to do, be with family. Um, and you know, luckily I, I had a, I had a great Olympic trials. I, I did, you know, I had a, I had a lot of building up to that, um, to that weight class. And, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot I can say that I regret, you know, um, Kelsey Campbell and I had a fantastic, very close match and, mm-hmm. Um, you know, that it was kind of, you know, it just, it was what it was. There, there was nothing more, nothing less that could have been done. Um, and then he ended up passing in June of 2012. Um, and so after that, it was, it was challenging. Um, I think we had a, we had a non-Olympic world that I ended up going down to 51 kilos. And I remember a coach one of my coaches kind of telling me like, this is your day. This is you. And I was kind of like, okay, I don't, I mean, that's great. That's great that you're thinking that, but 
uh, I don't know if that's the most important thing right now, you know. Um, it was it was hard. And so really this last whole quad, it has really been about me finding my love for the sport. And I think, you know, kind of with you guys talking and, and, and asking about, you know, being an Olympian, being a world champion uh, or Olympic champion being the pinnacle, um, I think... I think the other side of sport and of this sport is not leaving with resentment. And I was very, very close to leaving this sport with resentment. You know, I was thinking after 2012, I was thinking, okay, well, this is going to be my last quad. And once I leave, like, I am out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody because wrestling for me was my family. And, you know, maybe I did a disservice to myself or whatever, but, you know, it was my family. Like, I wasn't really as involved with, I guess, kind of like my wrestling peers because it was so family-oriented for me. Um, and after losing my dad, it, I kind of had to, like, reach out and lean on the wrestling community more. Um, and that was a challenge. Like, that was a really big challenge at first because I kind of felt like I was going towards resentment like every time I lost like something big it was kind of you know that oh yeah so easy to get wrapped up in like I'm I put all this work in and I'm not getting what I deserve out of it yeah you're yeah I mean you realize. almost believe it's unfair right I mean I've right there, yeah. right right so okay. that you know it's you know it takes you kind of it can take you down like a really dark hole and I, I think that's that's clearly where a lot of retired athletes Go, especially the ones who you're like I've never seen you you haven't come back like you're not involved and I'm sure a lot of you know I'm sure deep down one of the biggest answers is well I kind of resent it like I didn't do everything I wanted and I don't want to be around it I don't want to see the people I feel ashamed whatever you know and I, I would you know that feeling of feeling ashamed is powerful and it's like it's nasty <laughs> so uh, this whole this whole quad has been building back towards finding a love for wrestling. And I, I found it in a way that I never expected to find it. And, you know, that's, that's also why I'm not necessarily ready to say, Oh, okay. I'm retired. Like I'm just open for anything. You know, I want, I want to live an extraordinary life and I am open for whatever comes. So Compl that's what that kind of built me for yeah well it, it definitely shows and um you know i i apologize if we stirred up any bad emotions but i want to thank you for you know being willing to answer that question um i think you know as fans ourselves and understanding how fans think we only see athletes um for face value for what you see them compete you see them in media you forget that they're real people too and they battle real issues just like everyone else so thank you for sharing that information I think it's important for people to hear the type of struggles and adversity that athletes actually do you know face on a day-to-day -day basis especially things as you know as serious as you know as those types of issues mm -hmm. um, right. I, let's get this back on a lighter note I have to ask <laughs> all right I, I, I want to ask um, who would you say was your biggest rival during your competitive years? I don't domestic, international. I don't care. I you have had. I, I'm going to just 
my my opinion is is you've had to have some some pretty good rivals domestically. Um, so I want to hear it from you. Who would you pick if you had to pick one? Um, I would say domestic, probably probably Whitney Condor, and Jenna would agree as well. Ooh, good one. <laughs> we'll throw Jenna back in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do Whitney you... and I have wrestled a lot over the years. Do you have any um, international opponents that you would consider rivals that you faced multiple times, maybe went back and forth with? Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think right now. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Um, no, there's, been, there's definitely been a few. I would say, like, so much of the time it's probably Canadian. Uh, I know Brienne Barry and I have wrestled like so many times. Sometimes with with foreign athletes, um, it can be kind of bizarre. Like they're in, and then all of a sudden they're gone, and then they're back, and you're like, "Where did she go? Where did where, oh she's back?" And so, yeah. so sometimes like you can you wrestle so many different people so often, um, and especially like if you're not repeating the same countries you're going to or the same tournaments you're going to, sometimes you see like completely different people on different faces um there's one chinese wrestler that i've i wrestled her in schultz like quite a few years ago because i think they haven't been back in a while and then we wrestled at camp leading up we did a we did a camp in china in 2015 so like kicking off kind of like the olympic year um and it was like my first i think i hadn't competed yet so it was um, or maybe I competed at the New York Athletic Club. I can't remember which came first. Um, and so I went to that camp. So it was like the first, like, hard camp I've been in since I was walking again and, and fully functioning after foot surgery. Um, and she was there. And every time, I don't know what it is, but things just get nasty. Like, I come out with, like, my hands bleeding. <laughs> like, it just is that where you got that every time? Is that where you got that gnarly eye from? That picture with that gnarly eye? No, that was a Mexican wrestler who was also just being super nasty as well, and she was losing the match, and so she just decided that that was her best strategy <laughs> to so win the match. I guess. <laughs> but so if you don't really yeah, have like a ton of, um, I guess a ton of. Uh, rivals from international competition. Where was your favorite place? Because you've traveled all over the world to wrestle. Where was your favorite pra- place to wrestle outside the United States? You know, every time it's always somewhere that I've been able to stay longer. Um, Sweden's always a fun one. I mean, I would love to go to Sweden, not in the winter, but <laughs> Sweden is a cool country. I've been there so many times. Um, but other than that, Greece, um, when Ooh. we went for University World. Nice. Well, you won University mm-hmm. Worlds too, right? Right, so right. That makes so it, it's like there's so that makes much it feel a little better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, all right, Catherine, let's. You know, we we asked this question to to pretty much all the female wrestlers we've had on. Um, I'd really love to get your take. Um, you know, obviously, women's wrestling has grown a lot over the last few years, um, especially from my perspective. Um, can you give me your perspective on the growth of women's wrestling since you started? Yes. Um, 
Hmm. Let's let's narrow that down a little bit. You want to want to talk about because there's so there's so much involved there. Um, do you want to talk about since the beginning up till now, or people's opinions, kind of like where we're going? Can you know what? You you your call. You you your call. You answer it how you feel like you would like to answer it. I mean, because you've been okay. involved in this sport. You know, in women's wrestling, I mean, for a very long time. And, you you know, obviously, as we've discussed, you know, we're fortunate to be kind of a part of the, you know, the pioneering of it, basically. So, you know, from when you started, from when your dad started, you know, until up until now, what are your thoughts on that growth? Yeah, so, um, I mean, growth has been has been really good, has been very good. the, the issues that we're having and having to face now um, is that pushback from either coaches or states or high schools who are kind of resisting the idea of at least adding a girls' division. Um, I think Brandon or one of you guys posted the article about Ohio. Yes. Um, and I think it was an executive for their high school saying that there's only maybe a dozen girls wrestling. Yep. So just kind of those perspectives of that there's only a dozen girls in Ohio, like they have a really big team at Fargo. Correct. Um, so for them to say that a dozen, it just kind of shows like they're a little bit out of the loop. So kind of the issues we're dealing with is that, like people being kind of out of the loop, a little bit misinformed, and then just kind of resisting the simplicity of saying, hey, wrestling is already a sport in high school. You can just add a division, a girls' division. Like, you'll see, like, just start offering that opportunity. Because we're starting to get, you know, we're, we're stagnant. We're stagnant with sanctioning. Because sanctioning is, is a big deal. Like, it's, you know, it means money. It means this. It, you know, means a lot of things. But if we can just start saying, add a girls' division. Just add a girls' division and give that opportunity I think they'll see that the transition into it can be a lot more smooth. It's not as scary, you know, and we're, we're, we keep waiting for, okay, we want approval from all the coaches. We want everyone to be in on it. Like everyone's got to say, yes, we're so excited. We're ready to go. Well, I mean, you, you might not get that. Sure. Like maybe that's just asking too much. Um, but the simplest way is adding a girl's division and, oh, you know, always like, I'm sure everyone's heard plenty of examples of that coach or the, you know, the teammates who are like, oh, once we saw them, you know, all the girls wrestling, we were like, wow, oh, my gosh. And it's kind of like, okay, well, yeah, you know, or, you know, or they're saying, well, it's, it's actually at a higher level than we thought. Well, I mean, you have to actually give the opportunity. Like, no, no girl is going to, like, start at the highest level when they've never had an opportunity to even, like, know how to – wrestle or know how to like do something combative when they've never had an opportunity so you give them an opportunity and you'll see results so i would say that's kind of like that's the that's the battle now and if we keep pushing back on just the most simple idea of adding a girls division our numbers might start you know remaining the same and you know we can't afford that as the sport of wrestling especially with our boys' numbers dropping. We just can't afford that. No, I agree with you completely. And part of, you know, 
Yes, I was the one that kind of posted that article recently regarding the issues of getting it sanctioned in Ohio. And, you know, I can always understand valid reasons why things may be hard to do or can't be done at this time. But if your reasoning is, is because right now you only estimate a dozen, you know, a few dozen or so girls wrestling, if you're basing that number off of girls who are actively competing on all boys' teams, well, that's a little ignorant in my opinion because how many other girls would compete in wrestling if they didn't have to be in an all-boys team? And you said it yourself. I know for a fact Ohio has multiple all-girl wrestling clubs throughout the state. There are They, mm-hmm. they take a strong contingent to Fargo. So I, I think there's a disconnect there on, on getting that sanction in Ohio. I will ask you this. Um, do you feel that today that women wrestlers are viewed equally to men in the eyes of those in the wrestling community, specifically the media? And I'm talking more so at the collegiate and senior levels. No, unfortunately the answer is no. Um, I mean, we really, we really have to fight for, for everything we get and it's, it can be frustrating. It can be very frustrating. Um, especially I had kind of, kind of mentioned earlier about like the way I've always conducted myself as an athlete. So, you know, it surprised me because sometimes we'll get in our bubble, especially when you're at the training center. You can very easily be in a bubble. You're, you're around all other, you know, professional athletes, professional people. And then all of a sudden I take one little step outside or, you know, kind of into my own world, right, into my own wrestling world. And it's like I can, I'm, like, humbled again, but in all the wrong ways <laughs> that, no, you, you know, you, you're not going to get as much publicity. You're not going to get that interview. You're not going to, you know, your accomplishment is nowhere near this guy's accomplishment, even though he's never competed internationally. Um, yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's, it can be very frustrating. But, you know, I, I see it as we have to just kind of keep bringing opportunities for ourselves. Um, I mean, that's part of what wrestle like is all help us push. Um, that's part of why I started Lucha Fit because, um, you know, as hard as this, this whole kind of process is like just talking about myself, like this is first podcast. I, I do think that I offer a ton of value, you know, otherwise I wouldn't be blogging about the stuff that I know, <laughs> you know, I, I really strongly feel like I know so much from my experiences and so much from being a high level athlete that I'm kind of, you know, it was, it was uncomfortable to put myself out there, but I realized, like, if I don't do that, it's never really going to come full circle. And other female athletes are going to just kind of stay, you know, you kind of get kept down. You're like, oh, well, that male athlete should get that recognition and sure. it's okay. And, you know, so it's easy to stay, to stay down there. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, the answer is no. Well, you kind of alluded to this already, so it's a perfect time to transition to it. You've mentioned Wrestle Like a Girl as well as Lucha Fit. Um, you are a board member for Wrestle Like a Girl. Um, you are also the founder of Lucha Fit. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about what Wrestle Like a Girl is and what their mission is and what they're currently doing out there um, across the United States to help advocate and promote women's wrestling? Yeah, yeah. So Wrestle Like a Girl was started by Sally Roberts. Um, she's a 
two-time world bronze medalist, and she's a world-class Army um, combat athlete. And um, she was ready to retire, and she was like, I, I know what I'm doing next. And, man, has she set her sights high. So wrestling a girl, we kind of have um, four different pillars. So we um, focus on our empowerment camps. So creating opportunities for girls, and it's an all-girls camp, and it's run by all female clinicians, and we have national team, world team, Olympic team members who will um, come and do those. Um, and so we just, you know, want to push girls learning how to be the total athlete. So we teach beyond just wrestling techniques. So this is like life skills and nutrition and hydration and, you know, all, all sorts of feel-good stuff. Um, the other part is, is supporting sanctioning efforts. So we, we are not, um, like, always – we're not personally the ones who headway these things. We connect with states who have already, already putting kind of like are getting the wheels turning in their own state. Um, so then we kind of come in and say, well, they'll, they'll usually request that they need a little more support. We'll come in and say, do you want us to talk to administrators? Do you want us to make a video and help promote, you know, your first state tournament, which is what we do in Kansas. Um, you know, however we can kind of help support those efforts, we come in and, and help do that um, and create, you know, just give give visual to the efforts that they're trying to promote. Um, mm-hmm. our, our third part is um, NCAA wrestling. So we are putting together the bid along with other, other um, people invested in this. Bid goes in this fall. Um, to be emerging sports status. And that is a quite, quite a few year process. So, so, you know, for everyone's like, we're not ready. Oh my gosh. This is a lot. This is a very long process. We put a bit in, it does not mean an NCAA school happens, you know, tomorrow. This this whole thing is a big process. So everything has to be, you know, you, you have to get the ball rolling at some point. You can't just wait till everything has caught up or it's ready, you know, then there's nothing, there's nothing there for them when those schools are ready. So, um, so that's what's happening there. And then our last part is working with international organizations. So quite a few um, foreign countries, international organizations have expressed their wants and their needs to push women's wrestling within um, their organizations. So um, there's just so many things taking shape. And um, we, this July, we'll have been at this for about a year because we kicked off last year, July, with our gala. So we've been able to accomplish quite a bit in a year. It's really exciting. Um, yeah, WrestleLikeAGirl.org, we have lots of information on there. And then anyone can get in contact with me or Sally anytime. But it's a, it's an exciting, exciting project. And, um, I mean... I think people will be hearing about it more and more and more as uh, as we just kind of take on more more giants, you know? It's pretty exciting. No, I agree with you. I've been following you guys a lot lately. I've been keeping in, you know, kind of in tune with the empowerment camps that you've been running, watching the video highlights. They seem great. All the girls out there seem like they're having a great time. Um, it seems like it's going to be such a wonderful resource for the women's wrestling community and getting this moved even you know, further along than what it is now. Um, right. And then 
now. You're also the founder of LuchaFit, which has been a kind of a personal project of yours. Can you exp- you know talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, so my sister and I decided to be very progressive, and um, we started a website back in 2010. And we were we tried the YouTube thing. We were you know playing with social media, and it was kind of like the time when athletes were starting to get into the idea that social media is you know, kind of important. Now it's like a no brainer. Like you don't have an Instagram or Twitter, like come on now. Right. Right. Um, So we were, we were playing with all of that back then. So, um, so we, we kind of would use it as like a journal. So it would just be like, this is what we did today. This is the trip we went on. And, um, and a lot of it was to help push for, for sponsorship. Um, And then this fall, um, as I was kind of transitioning, figuring out what I wanted to do, um, I knew I had to do something like I, I, it doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm wrestling or not, like I have to be doing something. So I started taking it on as, as more of an educational platform and kind of knew that both Allen wrestling would need to change. So it could be something that's like maybe applicable to more athletes or to, um, people who are just interested in fitness or, you know, learning from an athlete who has high level experience in fitness, nutrition, hydration, workouts, everything, because there's, you know, there's so much out there in the fitness industry. It's confusing. Like it's so confusing. Um, and I feel like I really asked a lot of questions and got a lot of answers about how to make things kind of more simple in your life. Um, so I, I took it as an opportunity this winter when I had shoulder surgery to really start diving into, you know, the psychology of being injured and coming back as an athlete. Um, and it's, so it's been really exciting and really cool to get a lot of opinions from young wrestlers about the things that they're dealing with. And so that's what I'm hoping to address there. So diving into an educational platform where you can learn about workouts injuries, nutrition, um, and then I have, you know, a section on women's empowerment and kind of writing about projects that other women are doing and things that I've been involved in. Um, so seeing where that develops will be really fun. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I got to admit, I've been on the website. I think it's pretty interesting, pretty neat. Um, a lot of valuable resources out there, whether you are a competitive athlete or not. I mean, just it, it, and it's the simple things too. Like you know, you're you're traveling for an international you know competition. What to pack? It's just things like that. Or you get into the nutrition aspects. There's a lot a lot of young athletes that that really don't understand those things, and they're pretty important in your preparation. So I think it's an you know I, I think it's a great resource. I highly recommend people get out there to luchafit.com and take a look at that website. Um, and I hope that really, you know, continues to go on for you. Yeah, thank you. Now, Catherine, we've talked at length for, I don't know, the last few months about doing some collaborative work. Um, one of the things that Ben and I would like to do is feature more female athletes, female wrestlers on our podcast, allowing them to tell their stories. We think it's important for people to hear, um, and we also want to, you know, promote more of what's going on with Wrestle Like a Girl um, and LuchaFit. So we've discussed collaborating, um, and I think we've, you know, I would like to kind of, you know, maybe talk to, you know, speak a little bit about what we have decided to do. Um, 
if I'm not mistaken, we're what we plan to do is kind of we are going to start promoting on a regular basis uh, a featured athlete, a featured you know women's wrestler. Um, these podcast episodes will be sponsored by Lucha Fit and Wrestle Like a Girl. Um, and I yep, want to th- yep. I, I want to thank you for reaching out to us about that. It's something that we are definitely very excited about. Um, and obviously, we're just getting started with this. Um, we'll have more to come in the future. It'll evolve. Um, I'm sure as you and I and Ben and we talk more and come up with different ideas, we can find different ways to kind of evolve and grow that collaboration. Um, but I have to ask. If you were going to recommend a next guest for this podcast that we could feature to kind of kick this collaboration efforts off, who do you who would you recommend? Okay. Well, first, I have to say, I think it's so awesome that you guys are taking this on. You know, it really just starts with somebody, you know, taking the plunge and saying we're going to put female athletes on, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna elevate them at the same level that they deserve you know so this is exciting this is awesome and you guys have been getting such good feedback from your podcast with julia um and with jenna so i think this will be this will be a whole nother level for you guys i'm excited um i think the obvious choice is going to be the inside trip queen victoria anthony ah, wow love it, love it. yeah love it. Big yeah time. yes um well yes. as with any Hello, guest Kelly girl so She's got a dirty inside trip. Dude. She does. It's exactly. it's pretty oh. sick. Uh, well, I hope that we can find a way to get her on this podcast. Um, hopefully, you have a little pool with her. I would love to have. Um, I mean, she's a world team representative this year. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that's, she is. That's, she is. I think I got. I think I got a lot of a little pool. I mean, Vicky, she worked on that inside trip for a lot of years on me because I'm like one of the tallest. She's like <laughs> that tall person to work on. Yeah. And it's hard to, it's kind of hard to do it on me. We're like, we're really, uh, opposite. Could you say that? She's like four eleven. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's pretty little. <laughs> so I think, you know, I think we can get her on here. She's, she's done a lot of inside trips work on me. So, you know, fantastic. And if, <laughs> And if you had the chance to ask her one question on this podcast, what question should we ask her? Ooh. Um, I, I think you should ask her about um, the things that, that keep her going because she's, she's such a positive person and she feeds off of, like, happy, good energy and – it's not always, you know, we don't always have that, you know, sometimes you're like on that roller coaster. So I think you should, I think you should ask about those because like when you, when you talk to her and meet her, she's like, she's like bubbly personality, happy, like fun loving person. Um, so that would be, that would be an interesting question. Yeah. I, I have to say every picture I ever seen her in wrestling, she always seems to be smiling. She's smiling. She's getting right? punched in the face yeah. and she's smiling. Yeah, she gets punched in the gut and she's got a smile on her yeah. face. Exactly. Now, that, See that, that's, that's a great No, that's that's a that's a great recommendation. We'd love to have her on the podcast. For sure. Well, all right, Catherine, that's really that all that we have for you today. Um, I want to thank you for coming on. This has been such a fun interview, such a great experience. I've you know, I really appreciate you reaching out to us a few months ago. Um, and continuing that communication over the last few months. Is there any last words that you have, anybody that you want to shout out, anything that you'd like to say? 
Um, you know, just uh, just a shout out to the fans that have been listening. Um, I hope they're excited and ready for a lot of awesome females, a lot of awesome male athletes that you guys have on. Um, and you, you know, we love like we just love the support. Like we don't always hear it, see it. Um, as athletes, you're just kind of like you have your blinders up. So um, hopefully, you we you know show everyone some Twitter love. We love it. You know that that makes you know kind of keeps you going sometimes when you're feeling like you're not being heard or you know people don't always know how hard you're working. So I think that kind of stuff is awesome. So speaking of Twitter, how how can how can they follow you and wrestle like a girl and lucha fit? Oh, all of them. You better follow all of them. Okay, so I'm a uh, full balance wrestling, and it's W R S T L. Or no, wait, what am I? I don't even know. <laughs> well, they're not full following you. W R S T L N G. You'll find me. There is no other full. You type in full balance, and then you'll find me. It'll be easy. Um, wrestle like a girl is also we we have full wrestling weird too. So W R S T L E like a girl. Um, and then Lucha Fit is just Lucha Fit. So L-U-C-H-A-F-I-T. Um, follow all of them because they're, you know, we kind of do all different things, but then it all kind of swings back together. So it's a lot of fun. And I'm showing more of like my personal life, which is kind of fun. And um, yeah, slowly revealing, you know, all that outside life stuff because I guess that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. You know, like oh yeah, like pregnant life, I guess. Okay, <laughs> <This> so <bizarre. laughs> so one final question. You, okay, you versus your sister, who wins in a wrestling match? I'm sure it's happened many times in the living room growing up. Oh man, my sister would she would kick my ass every time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that happens. I'm the oldest brother, and that I know for a fact that always happens. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks. Well, <laughs> Catherine, thanks again. This has been a lot of fun. We look forward to collaborating more in the future. Um, I hope you enjoyed being a guest tonight, and we wish you the best of luck. Wish you the best of luck in motherhood. You don't have that much long until your life has changed dramatically. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, thanks a lot, and I guess we'll be chatting with you later. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Take care, Catherine. All right. Well, there you have it, Catherine Shy, formerly Catherine Fulp Allen. Want to thank her again for coming on, telling her story, talking about her family, her career, the Wrestle Like a Girl organization, and her Lucha Fit project that she founded herself. Ben, I had a blast. It was awesome, man. I really just love listening to people talk about their wrestling story. As we've said countless times, every wrestler has a story, and the fact that we get to dig into these stories and listen to them you, you know, it's just enjoyable because it resonates so much with me and, you know, probably I'm sure you as well. And it's just one of my favorite things to do. Absolutely. I completely agree. I'm looking forward to more collaboration with Catherine, Wrestle Like a Girl, Lucha Fit in the future. Listeners, please look out for these future upcoming podcast episodes featuring some of the best female wrestlers that our country has to offer. We hope you enjoyed this one. That's all we got for you. And as always, don't wind up on your back, bro.